Enneagram, a nine-sided figure used in a particular system of analysis to represent the spectrum of possible personality types. Have you heard of the Enneagram yet? If you haven't, I'd imagine you probably live under a rock. It's sweeping across the nation. It's really popular in modern culture, especially in Christianity. There's a lot of backlash against it. There's a lot of misunderstanding about it. But it's an amazing tool to help us understand ourselves, to help us understand others, and to help us understand God. This week, we're giving an intro overview on the Enneagram. We're talking about how to use it to better love ourselves, to better love our neighbor, and to fulfill that ultimate commandment, and how to better love God. Let's get right into it. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert, a safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. My name is Cody. And my name is Elaine. And we are your hosts. This is episode 64. And today we are going to be doing a brief overview of something called the Enneagram. No, not a pentagram, the Enneagram. It is a personality typing system similar, but also very, very different to other things like Myers-Briggs, etc., But we're going to be taking this from a little bit different approach, talking about how it can help us better understand who we are as Christians, uh, how we can better use it to love others and to love God and just how loving others and just how learning more about ourselves helps us to understand about others and how to fulfill the greatest commandment of just loving God and loving our neighbor But before we get into that, a few quick things. This is going to be probably a little bit shorter episode. This is an overview. We're going to get into the meat of it over the next few episodes. This is going to be a series. But also, something cool coming down the pipeline. I know you can't see us right now, but that's all about to change very, very soon. If you want to hop on one of our social media platforms, we're going to do a live video to kind of show you what we're sitting in right now. But we are literally gutting our entire studio and redoing it from the ground up. We have a room in our house dedicated to uh, being a studio space, and we are completely redoing it. And it is a mess. We're sitting on the couch for the first time ever together right now. I don't know how you feel about that, Elaine. It's definitely interesting because um, whenever we first were recording, like, well, actually the futon. <laughs> it's a couch. But Whatever. so normally you would be in one chair and I would be next to you in the futon. And then if we ever had um, in-person interviews, they would always be sitting on the futon. You would be next to your computer and I would be separate. And so now it feels more intimate and more close together and it doesn't feel like. I don't know, it just makes it like more conversational based than more interview style just with you and I. 
Yeah, it's definitely it's 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 kind of cool to me because I was kind of getting tired of sitting in an office chair trying to record. It's kind of nice to sit on a comfy couch and have cushions and stuff. But there's also a ton of echo in this room right now because it's not been completely sound treated yet. So I apologize if you're getting any of that. But all of that to say, uh, we're doing this so we can pump out even more of what we hope you guys love. And we're, we want to be more present. We want to we want to be able to see you guys. We want to be able to do live chats with you guys. And all of that, of course, will be going on over in the Reckless community. The links for that are in the show notes below. But we just want to be more present. We want to be more available. And we want it to feel more natural. And we want to feel more natural doing it and not just be such a sterile environment. So we're trying to make it more homey, decluttering, simplifying, and... We're right in the girth of it. That 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 literally means like we have like stuff laying everywhere. <laughs> so well, as we're recording this, like nothing is in its place really, and like the room, I don't even think is like half done. Oh no! Not and even so this close. is like right now is our temporary setup. Of course, we have the futon and everything like we were talking about, but we don't like we're just sitting at this <laughs> random table with our laptops and our mics, and it's just very cluttery right now. Yes, but at the same time, I almost feel like I'm okay with this because it's change, and that's yeah, good. Yeah. So good things are coming, guys. We're doing a lot to try to just better this whole thing for y'all as we move forward. We want to be, we want to, we want to, honestly, just give you guys the best of our hearts, and we don't want to hold back. And this is going to allow us to do that even more. But all that to say, uh, we're working and we're trying. And I don't think we have anything else, really. That's pretty much been our world right this second. So I think we're just going to hop right into this overview of the Enneagram. If you already know about the Enneagram, this is just kind of a recap of how it works and everything like that. We'll be getting really into the meat of all of the different characteristics of it over these next few episodes. We have a few fun things coming down the pipe for that. But right now, let's just get to talking about the Enneagram, what it is, and why we're talking about it in the first place. So Elaine, what is the Enneagram? I was really skeptical of even learning about it. I don't like typing systems all that much because I feel like I don't really fit into a lot of those boxes. And I always feel like it's kind of one of those things where it's like, hey, tell me all your information and we're just going to regurgitate it back to you in different words. And I, I don't like personality typing tests. I always thought they were just kind of wooey and almost horoscopy because it's just like, oh yeah, well, of course you can find a way to apply that to your life, whatever. But I don't know. Uh, this is this is different, and I'll, I'll admit it's different. And the more I've learned about it, the more I've realized like this is not the same thing that I have associated it with for so long. So you're the guru here with all the awesome notes, and I'm just going to let you take it away. So the Enneagram is not a personality test. It's sure there are personality tests associated with it, but it's so much more in depth. For the most part, personality tests tell you already what you know. Like Cody was saying, it just regurgitates. It just reiterates exactly what you already know or kind of have an idea. Well, the Enneagram takes that to like 1,000. Yeah, for sure. It loves you 3,000. <laughs> I'm just going to use I'll drop that reference there. Was that done? Oh, well, I don't care. So there are personality typing tests, but... To me, like, all of the ones I've taken with the Enneagram are just kind of, like, off. Is that true? Yeah, so every time I took the Enneagram test, I always got a different answer, which 
honestly, my answers weren't completely off the charts because as we'll find out over the next few weeks, just the very intricacies about it and the different numbers you like associate with in healthy or unhealthy perspectives. And so like my numbers were kind of all over the place and it was very confusing because I always got a different answer. So I thought I was like a different person taking it every time. But like I said, it's a lot more in depth than just I am this number and that is it. Or I am introverted and that is it. Or I am extroverted and there's nothing else. Like there's so much more when it comes to Enneagram. Oh, yeah, it's very fluid. You know, it, it talks about how fluid personalities are and how we kind of move in and out of different things. And and something that I really enjoyed about the Enneagram was the fact that instead of telling you what you are, it tells you how you are in different scenarios. Like, um, you know, if you're behaving in a negative mindset, you may act more like a this versus what you are at that. Or if you're in a healthy place, you're going to act more like this uh, versus that. And if you go to therecklesspursuit.com forward slash episode 064, that is the link to um, our official, you know, that's like our website, the official uh, page for the show notes here. And if you look at the picture, there's actually a diagram and it kind of looks like, well, it's an Enneagram and Enneagram literally means nine, uh, like written nine or nine sides. And so like it's an Enneagon, not to be confused with a Pentagon or a Pentagram. It's a different thing. This has nothing to do with that. But you can see there's like little arrows, and we're going to talk about what all this means here pretty soon. But that is just kind of, if you're needing like a visual representation, you don't feel like Googling it, you can click that link and, and go find that. So I kind of have to preface this is that the Enneagram isn't a feel-good message. It's not going to, like, it, it reads your mail, honestly. Like, it reads your mail, and it reads other people's mail for you. And, of course, there are great things about it, being introspective and understanding yourself. So there are good qualities to it. But it also shows you, like, how you act and why you act in negative mindsets and the different personality traits that you acquire when you're healthy or unhealthy. So it's not like, hey, I'm this personality. Everything's good. I don't need to do anything else. I've always been this way. I don't need to change because that is not the purpose of the Enneagram. Yeah, and, and I think it's uh, it's really cool to learn those things about yourself. And I think that's why the tests always fail. So I'll just go ahead and tell you what everyone told me, and I didn't listen to them. And I judged this whole thing based off of a test. Don't take the tests because they're not going to help you. And the reason I say that is because I don't care how self-aware you are, and I pride myself a little bit, keyword there, pride myself, on being pretty freaking self-aware of who I am, what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, all that kind of stuff. But the problem is personalities are so fluid. You almost have to just read something and figure out what resonates with you more so than just trying to fit yourself into like these little, you know, bubble tests and it spitting out your answer. It, it does. It doesn't work that way. Because personality is too fluid to work that way. We have paid for tests. We've taken free tests. None of them give us the proper result. But I was going to say some people have had problems with taking the test because, like I was saying, I had a different answer every time. But a lot of people are like, well, I could be this number. I could be that number. Or 
I aspire to all these different personality traits. How do I find my number? Because whenever you take the test, if you took the test right now, you would get a specific answer. If you took the test next week and you were feeling very anxious about something that had happened, you could very well get completely different answers just based on your how you are feeling in, in that moment. Because sometimes you may be, oh, I'm very ex- extroverted in this area. But then if there, if you were having a bad day and you're very reclusive, you would answer very introvertedly. And so, of course, it's going to change because your personality evolves and changes depending on the mood and the circumstances you're in. Yeah, and so there's a lot of confusion with the Enneagram because of that very thing. People like um, things that are set in stone. It's easy to say, I am this. I am an INFJ or an INTJ or a CBDJ or whatever the different ones are. I don't know. I'm just spitballing stuff here. But it's easy to say, oh, like, yeah, I am those things. It's set in stone. I'm a this, I'm a this, I'm a this, and I'm a this. And really, it's a great excuse to act a certain way. And I've heard many, many people use uh, tests like the Myers-Briggs as an excuse to say, hey, you know what? I don't have to change. I don't have to be different because this is just who I am. It's how I was created to be. And they just kind of get this cocky, arrogant attitude of I don't have to try to better myself because this is just who I am. Well, that's the thing that I love about the Enneagram is once you understand your personality, once you read the books, once you understand what the Enneagram is, you no longer have the excuse of, well, that's just who I am, so I'm never going to change. Because if you understand the Enneagram and you're still in that mindset, you don't actually understand the Enneagram. You don't actually understand how it can benefit you because it gets rid of the excuse of, oh, I've always been this way. Yeah, and so... I want to just kind of piggyback off that and say this. It's a very interesting concept. It's a very kind of hard concept at times to get your mind around. I've listened to multiple other podcasts about it, different styles of podcasts. I've listened to people write music about it. I've listened to other people talk about it from different perspectives. And honestly, it it, it takes a while to sink in. I know that's kind of like discouraging, but if you're truly wanting to figure out more about yourself, and I would highly encourage all encourage all of us to try to figure out more about ourselves and who God created us as and how we can live up to the, the fullness of that creation, I would encourage us all. We've got to learn. But I would encourage you even more so, find some books to read about it, listen to this podcast about it, find other podcasts to read about it, And I'll go ahead and drop the resource. Elaine and I will be referencing this a lot. And the book that we used so much to to learn what we know so far, and we're just barely into this. I mean, we're just barely learning. But it's The Road Back to You by Ian Crone and Susan Stable. And if you're interested in picking up a copy of this book, I would highly recommend it for one. But we have a link in the show notes for this book. If you order it through us, um, we get a few pennies off of it. If you don't, that's cool too, but pick up a copy of this book. Uh, We have an Amazon affiliate link in the show notes for it. And so if you are going to read it, you know, we'd appreciate if you click that link. It helps us out a little bit. But The Road Back to You was a fantastic 
understanding and just a, a just an intro to this and honestly elaine and i walked out of the other side of reading this going oh my gosh we understand so much about the people around us not just ourselves but everyone around us and it just gave us a new understanding for people and I also love the fact that the Enneagram has Christian roots in it. And the Road Back to You talks all about that and how God has an aspect of every number in the Enneagram and how just understanding like the way that God created you and you uniquely and everyone around you. And there's just so much good spiritual insight from reading this book. Yeah, and so just a real quick, and before we get into like the meat of this, a quick um, history lesson on the Enneagram. It has roots in um, Christianity, Judeo-Christianity, um, even Islam and Buddhism, but it kind of all traces back to these ancient scholars and just understanding people. Uh, I know a lot of people can get nervous about the Enneagram. A lot of people think that it's... Uh, I don't know, trying to do God's... I don't understand it. Woo-woo. Yeah, I mean, the way I understand it is, like, have you ever had, just, you may have not had this, you may not grow up in this environment, but I did, so I'm just going to share this. Have you ever had, like, one of those prophecies? And, like, I'm not talking, like, the funny, weird prophecies, like, you are a teapot and I am the spout, or God is your spout, or some weird crap. I'm talking, like, one of those in-depth prophecies where you're just like, holy freaking crap. They just read my mail, like, almost to the uh, fact of, like, have they been staring through my window, like, creeper style, because that was so accurate and so needed in my life. Well, the Enneagram is literally like that prophecy, <laughs> and um, and it makes sense, because it has a lot of ancient religious context to it, and a lot of people get nervous about that, but it's it's not a thing to be nervous about, honestly. it's It can play a huge part in our faith. And uh, it has its roots, I guess, with that, but um, even more so is brought into kind of like a modern light. I believe in the early 60s, I may be off a little bit. Of, it's between the 30s and 60s. I've read a couple different alternating points of view, but I believe it was the 60s by a couple of people. Um, one, and I may butcher these names, so forgive me, but a person or a, a philosopher by the name of Oscar Icazo, Icazo, and then another by the name of Claudio Nerano. And both of these people um, kind of really built the structures and took a lot of these ancient practices that were more verbal, more, um, some of them were passed down and actually dance, and just a lot of these other art forms that talked about different people, and they kind of put more of a scientific, psychological method to it, to understanding people. And now we're just going to kind of share a little bit about what the Enneagram is. And so to try to give you a bit of understanding, we're going to try to keep this really lame and simple because it can be a bit of a hard concept to grab a hold of. So at its roots, and Elaine, follow with me here, make sure I'm not butchering this. Uh, at its roots, it's a nine-sided, or really it's, it's a nine-pointed star-looking thing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what else to call it as much as it's just, it's, it's a nine, it's almost like the star of David. Very complex star. Of David. Right. It's a, it's the star of David Off with shoots. more sides. Right. And the whole thing is the reason for nine is because it is divided into three sets of three and they come from different, um, gut fear, or I guess not gut, but it comes from different reactions or fears or what leads these different 
people and they're called triads. So Elaine, what are the three triads? So the three triads are the anger or gut triad, the feeling or heart triad, and the fear or head triad. And so the anger or gut triad is eight, nine, and one. The feeling is two, three, and four, and the fear is five, six, and seven. And so the anger or gut triad, these numbers are driven by anger. Eight, externalize it. Nines, forget it. And ones, internalize it. They're very honest and direct and kind of can be in your face about things. The feeling or heart triad, they're driven by feelings. Twos focus on their feelings outwardly. Threes have trouble recognizing their own or other people's feelings. And fours concentrate their attention inwardly on their own feelings. They take in and relate to life from the heart and are more image conscious than other numbers. And the fear head triad, five externalize their fear, six internalizes it, and seven kind of forgets their fear. They're very mindful of the circumstances around them. They think and plan carefully before they act. And um, they're just very mindful of their surroundings and life around them. Yeah, and I just want to take a minute to recap what Elaine was just talking about. Uh, Each one of these, people call them different things. Um, She just kind of labeled a reaction or a feeling that they associate and then like kind of a core part of the body. You think of like the body is led by the head, the heart, and the gut. So... An anger is a very gut reaction, the eights, the nines, and the ones. It's anger. It's uh, That is like the, the driving force that can make or break them. And it's it's a, it's a it's an angry reaction or it's an anger or internalized, externalized, whatever it is, but it's from the gut. It's just like gut feeling. You know what I'm talking about. You've had a gut feeling before, and I'm not, I'm not in this triad, mind you. I would say very passionate. Yes. And then um, the next one being feeling or heart a lot of times, you know, we say like we feel this or like I just felt it in my heart. Uh, you can kind of see the correlation of those already. Twos, threes, and fours. They have that Emotional that feeling, driven. that emotion, right? And then, of course, the head triad is the mind, and then of course, fear is the emotion, the battleground of the mind, and, and fighting fear. And so, the five, sixes, and sevens. That is their thing that they have to try to overcome. That is their negative emotion. It's their head. They're led by their head. And so none of these are superior. That's one thing we want to just go ahead and clarify. There's no superiority complex within the Enneagram. We all have our perks, our quirks, our faults, and our good. And honestly, we all fit into one of these boxes when we are healthy and acting well. Okay, so you're getting your head around this whole thing now. It's like, okay, there's nine different pools of things that I may fit into Uh, You may have even kind of seen yourself a little bit in what we just said, just on the very, very, very surface level. But to make that even more complex, we all have a wing, or we can lean toward a wing. And a wing is that number directly next to yours on the Enneagram. So if you are a six, you can either have a five or a seven wing. Okay, I know this is confusing, but hey, look at it this way. It broadens up the abilities or the uh, the pools that we can put people into. Now, instead of people just fitting into nine small little categories, now all of a sudden, people there's up to 27 different categories we can fit into. And this is a very fluid thing. 
as we said before, personality is fluid. It's not stagnant. We change, we grow, we adapt. And so what these wings represent is, and I know we don't, we haven't got into all of what these different numbers are yet, other than just those little overviews. But if you are a six, or let's say, well, I think we said a seven. If you're a seven, you may also have characteristics kind of of a five or kind of of an eight. You can kind of swing both ways. So you may be like a, you know, three quarters of this, a quarter of that, or two thirds of this and a third of that. And it just depends on, like I said, your personality and your place. And But you can pull from these other different areas of yourself. So you may be a very logical person, but you may also pull from the emotions of a four, or you may be a very um, perfectionistic person. You may be someone who enjoys things to be in their place, like a one, but you may also pull from the heartfelt side and the giving, the, uh, the giving side and helpful side of a two. And so you can draw from other numbers around you, and you're naturally inclined to do that. But there's also another part that makes this thing even more complex, and this is where we start losing people, and, and just bear with us. So right now we have the main number. We have the numbers on either side of us can kind of draw, um, you can kind of draw some of those, those characteristics from them. But then there's something else, and like we said, personality is fluid. That is key here. And those are your numbers you point to whenever you are in stress or whenever you are healthy. And so, Elaine, go ahead and share a little bit about those. So, like Cody was saying, to make it even more complex, you add more numbers to your personality. So, whenever you um, are stressed and you have very, you're dealing with a lot of anxiety, there are things around you that are just very, like, doubt or fear or whatever, just very negative emotions, it is called your stress number. And so, it is whatever number you resort to that points away from your number and it's whenever you're overtaxed or under fire or just the things around you you're just a, in very anxiety driven and so the number the arrow that points away from your number is you act like that specific number when you are stressed out for instance uh if you're a one and so following along if you want to google or pull up uh our our picture here of the Enneagram with the arrow diagram. If you are a one, which is someone who is a perfectionist, in your negative times, you will go to the negative sides of a four, which would be um, hyper-emotional, more insecure, uh, more introspective and melancholic. You kind of start adapting the negative characteristics of this other number and it's not any number. It's a very specific one. And this is merely showing, and like I said, the arrows are kind of weird and can kind of be confusing. They're merely showing how different personalities all across the board can actually intertwine with each other and how we can um, pull from these other sides of us in these negative times. And so on the other side is whenever you feel secure. It's wherever you are drawing energy and resources and when things around you are very uplifting and encouraging and you just very you just feel secure in where you are at life or at that specific moment. So it's the it's the arrow that points towards your number and where you feel secure and joyful and happy and full of of energy and life. 
For instance, using the one as an example, ones being the, the more perfectionist, they draw energy from the number seven. Sevens are very outgoing. They're storytellers. They're the life of the party. They're eccentric and fun and adventurous people. And so a one who's normally more uptight and wants everything in its place can be very social and outgoing and enjoy the moment uh, and be the life of the party when they're in a good mindset. And I just I have someone on my mind right now for this, and it, it just cracks me up thinking about it, thinking about the ones in particular. But it's very cool how it shows not only can you be a one, but you can also draw characteristics from a two. But when you're in a negative place, you become a four. But when you're doing good, you're a seven. All this sounds super confusing. It sounds over the top because it is. But it helps you understand not just the fluidity of personality, but to understand yourself when you're in a good place. You're like, wow, I'm really being more. And of course, we use the number seven. Well, okay, but what is a seven? It has more to it. Well, what is that? Oh, well, I'm being more outgoing today. I'm being more active and social and laughing more and engaging more. Man, I must, I'm, I'm in a better place. I'm in a good mindset. Make a mental note of that. Or man, I'm being really withdrawn and bitter and my emotions are really getting to me. And I'm feeling really insecure and that people are judging me. Well, I'm, I'm drawing that negative. I'm kind of leaning toward my negative side, toward that negative side of the four. Okay. Uh, maybe I should, should try to, um, to analyze this, to take some time to pray, to, to think it through and figure out, well, why am I acting like this? And it just, it helps you understand yourself. Now, okay, all of that, I know it's confusing. We, 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 we've well established that. But why are we talking about this and what purpose does it have? What's the use in learning about this? We talk about this almost every episode, but there is two commandments given in the Bible that are the granddaddy of all of the commandments, the ones that if you follow these, the rest will fall in line, and that is love God and love others. I can personally say I have learned how to love others in a whole new light. The past month and a half, Elaine and I have been studying the Enneagram. Elaine, I don't know about you, but it has just, it has opened this world to me that instead of being mad at people around me for acting certain ways, I'm beginning to, just now beginning to, mind you, we're only a month and a half into this, but I'm, I'm starting to be able to look at that and say, oh, they're in a positive space, or they're in a negative space, or they're in a neutral space, and, and I can understand how to better react to them instead of acting out of my negatives, and I'm not going to tell y'all what number I am yet, but... I can, I can begin to understand how they're functioning, why they're being like they are, to better know how to, to love them in their circumstances. And that's honestly the, the truth, Just despite the fact that a lot of people are like, ooh, this is frou-frou, this is woo-woo-y, this is mystical and weird and against God. No, you're learning about his creation. You're learning about people. And what on earth is more beautiful than learning about people? Just like when Adam walked with mankind, so we too get the privilege of walking with God's creation. That is each other. That is that community, that very thing, that life-giving force. Uh, community is just so 
vital. And when we learn more about our fellow mankind, we begin to understand God on this new level. And when we learn more about ourselves, we learn how to love God deeper. We learn how to love God stronger. And it just starts with that understanding. And that is just the most beautiful thing about this whole system is it's not saying I am a this and that's just how it is. It's saying, wow, there's so many different facets, so many different uh, different sides to each and every person. And it begins to show you how to just to digest that information, how to consume that information so you can better love yourself, so you can better love those around you, love your neighbor, and ultimately better love God. Honestly, for me, after studying this for the past month and a half, I feel like kind of what Cody was saying, like I've tapped into something that is just so much bigger than I. And so for us, you know, that that's God and understanding um, just the way God loves us and the way that we were created. And so with the Enneagram, it's not just, okay, this is your personality type and then you do nothing with it. All that we have been talking about is it's understanding who you are and understanding the people around you. And so whenever you get irritated at somebody, you're like, okay, well, they're stuck in their ways. I'm just annoyed at them. But whenever you understand the Enneagram, you're like, oh, well, they're acting out of fear or they're acting out of emotion or they're acting out of anger. You can understand where that person is coming from. And so you may have, quote, difficult people in your life but they may not necessarily be difficult people, but the Enneagram taps into why you may feel like they're difficult, why you may not be able to understand them or have a relationship with them or why you are always annoyed with them or even vice versa. And it allows you to understand where they're coming from. It, under, it allows you to understand their heart and their journey and their walk with God. And it just creates just this unity really yeah it creates the unity of our sole purpose of what god has created us to do is to love him and love others and the enneagram helps us realize how to do that and i guess one of the last things for this overview that we're going to talk about for the enneagram is we've all heard of the seven deadly sins every person on the enneagram has a deadly sin or has a major weakness. And so it's the seven deadly sins along with fear and deceit. And so everyone has something that they are dealing with, whether it be a passion or a sin or a weakness. It's all unique to the specific person. And understanding our weaknesses allows us to better strengthen our communities, better strengthen our relationships, our intimate relationships, and just our personal life. And once you understand other people's weaknesses, or once you understand what other people are dealing with, whether from an emotion or fear or anger base, it allows you to not be so quick to judge others for how they are as a person. Yeah. So all of this to say, and I know there's a select group of you like, yes, I love uh, going through this. And there's another select group of you that are like, man, why couldn't we have just cut to the chase already? I'm probably more in that group. And let me just tell you, it takes time. This is just an overview episode, just a, a, a quick 
why are we doing this? What can we use this for? How does it help Barely us? Barely touch the surface. Yeah. Even. Like we haven't got into any of the numbers and we're not going to on this episode. And that we have three weeks of that coming up. Be patient with it. Grab the book. Go down and click the link. Grab that book. And just take some time to let this soak in. And it's really one of those things. It's kind of like, uh, I can use a really weird example here of like marinating a chicken or something. But you got to let it soak in, you know. <laughs> you got to let it get into the pores. In yeah. <laughs> just soak up the juices of, oh, I'm sorry, this is getting weird. But I it's, like visual <laughs> representation. I'm sorry, guys. But it, it's beautiful and it's powerful, but it can't be rushed, honestly, because we have spent our entire lives getting to the point of where we are at now. So to think we're going to understand everyone in a week or an hour or in one episode or even in four episodes is crazy. It's going to take our so long to just even get this in. Luckily, we have tools to speed up that process, and that's exactly what we're hoping to offer to you guys. Well, and I think the major beauty of the Enneagram is how intricate it is, how, is how complex that is, because essentially that's how God is. That's how we are as people. And it's not a one and done. You can't just read one book and say you're a master at the Enneagram. You, I, I don't think it's healthy for you to start typing everyone, be like, well, there are this and there are that. But it's so easy to do. Yes, but it's so easy to do because I, I, I know that for Cody and I, once we read this, we were like, oh, well, this person acts like this way. But it wasn't from a judgmental area. But no, it was understanding. And we even were talking about like, oh, TV characters, they're this number, they're that number. But honestly, we could have even been wrong in all of that. And it's it's just a great way to begin to understand, just even beginning understanding God's love for us and how he created us all individually. And like Cody and I have talked about, it's just something that we are just now tapping into. We are just now understanding. And even after a month and a half, we still have so much more to learn. We still have so much more experience that we need to understand about people and even ourselves. And we are just now hitting the surface. So to recap everything we've talked about, we have this weird nine-pointed star thingy that has a number assigned to all of it, to every point. We have... Um, each one of these numbers is associated with a personality. This is ancient wisdom repackaged sometime in the 60s, but it comes from all kinds of ancient religious beliefs and folklore. And it is just uh, just an overview of people's personalities. On top of that, all of these um, numbers are divided down into three categories. So three sets of three based on your initial um reaction the head the gut and the heart or so you can go into fear anger or emotion and and go all those different ways so you have the triads there then on top of that you can draw from the number next to you to better even um understand your personality and on top of that oh that was your wing and on top of that you have the number you point toward when you're in a negative mindset and the number you draw from when you're in a positive mindset Take all of that in, let it sink in, and we're going to start talking about the anger or gut triad next week, and that is eight, nine, and one. So we're looking forward to that. But this week, we just have a simple question. 
How can learning more about yourself help you love God and love other people? How can learning more about yourself help you love God and love other people? We want to hear your answers. We would love to talk with you about it and just have some pre-discussion for next week's episode even. Head over to the Reckless Community show notes. uh, Have that link, and that's below. And we would love to add you and have you to be a part of the conversation. Also, you can drop us an email, send us a voicemail, say hi, all of the links for those are on our website, therecklesspursuit.com. If you're wanting to follow along, we are taking this directly from the book, The Road Back to You. We have that affiliate link in the show notes below. And we would love to um, just share this information on. We didn't write this stuff by any means. We are not experts by any means, but the authors of that book are much further down the path than we are. So we cannot recommend that book enough. Hopefully by next week, we will be doing video with this too. So we will see you then. And as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll We'll talk talk soon. soon.